I would like to have had more here this morning because there is a Lord. The Lord gave me a warning for the church, and um, I'm going to try. And it was just a flash. It was a real quick, quick. And it, and and with it, he said, "This is part of the new day." The new day, I've always talked about the new day, and we always think the new day, wow, new day, everything's going to be great, right? Don't we always think that way? <laughs> anyway, his his warning was that things are going to tighten up, that they're going to tighten up. They're, and I'm talking about your walk. Your walk is going to need to tighten up. There can't be any more... Um, uh, well, maybe I can get by with this little bit of a sin. That's not going to be the case anymore. And I was trying to think of, um, I was trying to come up or think of a, you know, a job that people do where it's, you know, there there's death zooming by them all the time. And I couldn't really come up with that, except, you know, there are things that people have to really pay attention when they're doing a job. I mean, mean, you do electricity. You have to pay attention, don't you? You can't do that in your sleep. And so I think that's what the Lord's saying to the church. We can't be asleep anymore. We can't, we can't be, uh, playing games anymore. We can't be wishy-washy about our walk anymore. We have to be purposeful. We have to be on target. We have to be, uh, doing what He has called us to do. No, no playing anymore. And, and that's the, that's part of the new day, which is a good thing. The church has been too, um, lax for too long. And we've had, let the enemy come in and steal, kill, and destroy from us. Whether it be from this nation, whether it be from you personally, whether it be from your family, we've, we've let him do that. And, and we can't, we can't let that happen anymore. The things that, the things that he has, told us how to do in the word we have to put them to work we have to use the name of jesus we have to use praise we have to use the word of god in battle and and i have wasn't when i was started talking about nehemiah last week this isn't what i was going for but this morning just i mean i was getting ready and um i just no more got in the bathroom and this went right through my thinking this is a warning to the church to wake up and do you, who who do you I better ask this because I'm hearing it. Who do you think the church is? Hmm? Who is the church? The church is those that have accepted Jesus as Lord, believed in their heart and confessed with their mouth. That is the church. Whether they're sitting here on Sunday morning or whether they're not, that is the church. That's why I said I would like to have had more people here. What God's getting ready to, he's instructing us. He's warning us so that we can get ourselves in the, in a right position, in the right place. Amen? Amen? I really don't know what else to say to that. He might, he might give me more, but that was just it. It was just get yourself tucked in to your walk with the Lord. Walk, walk where he's called you to walk. Stay in, in close with him. Make him your, your confidant. Make him the one you talk to all the time. And, and just get in tight with him, I guess is a good way of putting it. Amen? Okay, well, there we go. I don't usually deliver warnings, but, um, 
That one was important or the Lord wouldn't have told me that it's important for the body of Christ to be lining themselves up with the with what he is doing. And we don't know everything that he's doing, but when he does instruct us, we better pay attention. Amen. Okay, so I want us to I want us to get back to Nehemiah. And you'll see I did not I did not plan this word. I was still prepping more after I got here this morning. You know, you're used to getting up an hour um, sooner. So I was here an hour sooner, even though I knew it was an hour later. And so I, I used all that time to, to continue to prep and, and to spend time just looking at the word. And, I, and I'm, my heart is to get this across to you so that you can see what's important. But I didn't at all connect until just right now, connect the warning with what we're, we're talking about. So I'm going to start with Nehemiah 1, if you want to get your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to do that or look on your phone and follow along where we're going to be talking about Nehemiah. And there's all kinds of places in the Bible that I could have picked where prayer went, was involved in everything. And you'll see it if you go through the Bible. You'll see, you'll see prayer was connected in the David and Goliath situation. You'll see that prayer was connected in um, David and Ziglag and, and doing that battle. You'll see prayer was connected with uh, Paul and Silas when they were in, in the dungeon, in the prison. Prayer, prayer is so important. That's our, our communication, us talking to God, God talking to us, and he's going to tell you what to do. I don't care if the situation is so desperate. He's still got the answer. Amen? God always has the answer. He always say, God, always, always, and always has the answer. Amen? Amen. God's always got the answer. And it's so exciting to know that we don't have to do this all by ourselves. We don't have to wonder with this thing up here, what am I supposed to do? Now, I, I will ask him, Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation, but I know when I hear from him and I know when it's this trying to tell me what to do. You know, we just need to hear from him. Amen. Okay, over here to Nehemiah. Chapter 1, and basically I'm, I'm going to start with, I think it's verse 3. Um, Nehemiah was trying to find out what had gone on in um in uh, Jerusalem, they had they had built the temple, but they had not built the wall, or they had not um, um, restored the the gates. And so, verse three. So Nehemiah was trying to find out, and they said to me, "The remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire." Now it came about, verse 4, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now I know we went over some of this last week, some of you didn't, but it's always good. I don't care if we hear it ten times. It's always good to get it before us because we don't always put it to work in our life the minute we hear it. We should get to that place where the minute we hear a truth in the word, it becomes a part of us and we are a doer then of it not just to hear, okay? So verse 4, so now it came about when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Right there in that time, 
that time frame there was the beginning of getting the answer that he needed to have to restore back the walls. Amen. He, he was birthing in, and we talked about this last week. Everything happens first in the spirit realm. Everything happens there first. And in our birthing and in our prayer, we bring it into manifestation here in the natural. Always. I don't care what it is. It's always birthed in the spirit realm first. It's brought forth in the spirit realm and birthed here. Amen. And so the intercession, that's why I tell you that prayer is so important to staying hooked up with God because he is going to tell you how to pray effectively for whatever situation you're dealing with. He said in James, a fervent, effective prayer, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man is miraculous and it's working. It's miraculous. So we're righteous people. So our effective, fervent prayer is miraculous. Our prayer is miraculous. When we pray, it's miraculous. Amen? Yeah, it's miraculous. Always, always, always. So when you go into prayer, when you go into prayer, you don't think, well, this is not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to get anything done. Nobody's going to hear me, but I'm going to do it. You've already defeated yourself and you're not going to get your answer if you think that prayer isn't going to do anything for you. You understand? If you think prayer isn't, if you think communicating with God about your need or talking to him and him talking to you, it's not going to accomplish anything. You've already defeated yourself. You won't, don't expect to receive anything from him. Amen? Don't expect that. It's not that he doesn't want to give it to you. It's that you don't pray effectively. Whoa. It's not that he don't want to give it to you, because he does. He wants to give you the answer. He wants to give you a blessing. He wants to change the outcome. But you've got to have to be in a place of receiving it and expecting it to happen. Amen? So, verse 5, And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him, and keep his commandments. This whole thing that we're reading now is all prayer. Clear down to, well, it goes on into the next uh, verse 11, I think, is where it ends. Verse 6, let thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open to hear the prayer of thy servant, which I am praying before thee now day and night. Now day and night. Day and night. Okay, are we ready to pray day and night? Ooh, it's hard on the flesh. It's hard on the flesh just for one hour. <laughs> I know. I know it's not easy to sit for an hour and pray in tongues or talk to the Lord. You know, you know where, um, we, we've talked about this before, but Charles Finney would come and bring revival to towns. Do you know what it took? It took Father Nash and another guy, and they would come ahead of him two or three days ahead. And they would get a, a motel room, and they were on the floor and, and prostrate in front of the Lord, groaning and travailing for two or three days. No eating, no nothing. That's right. They were groaning and travailing. She said that was an amen in case you didn't understand that. <laughs> Groaning and travailing. Amen? Groaning and travailing. And, and and that's what brought that's what brought the revival. Well, sure, Charles preached a good sermon, good message, but it had to happen in the spirit realm first. It had to happen first. And I I'll be honest with you, we have not got to that point where we're ready to sit down and pray and pray. 
and pray and groan and travail and pray and birth those believers into the natural. Amen? We're not there. And in, and that, anyway. Okay, verse 6. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open to hear the prayer of thy servant, which I am praying before thee now day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel. See, he's praying on behalf of the sons of Israel. He's interceding. He's standing the gap just like Father Nash did. Confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. I and my father's house have sinned. He was standing in a place of repentance on their behalf. And a lot of times we have to do that when we're interceding. That has to happen because there's people out here that aren't born again. But we need to stand in a place of repentance for them. We have to ask the Lord to forgive them. Cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Father, get them in a place to receive the word of God. And then... You know, when that, that happens, that doesn't mean they're born again just because I stood in the gap for them. They still have to walk through it. They still have to accept Jesus as Lord. They still have to repent for their sins. They still have to do that. Even though I've stood in the gap for them, what I did when I stand in the gap or when you stand in the gap for anybody is you make a way for them to get there. Amen. You make a way for them to get there. You stand in a place of repentance for them. And, and you push back the darkness and they can make a quality choice. They can make a choice. I want Jesus as Lord of my life. I want to have a home in heaven. I want to go there. I want to be with my loved ones in heaven. The only way you can get there is by accepting Jesus as Lord. The only way you can get there. Okay, verse... Um, Seven, we have acted very corruptly against thee. Again, he's still repenting. and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which thou didst command thy servant Moses. Verse eight, now he's putting, putting uh, the Lord in remembrance of the word he spoke. Remember the word which thou didst command thy servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. Verse 10, and they are thy servants and they and thy people whom thou didst redeem by thy great power and by thy strong hand. Verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, may thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and the prayer of thy servants who delight to re- Rever, 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 uh, thy name, and make thy servant successful today, and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was in, in, and then it goes on to say that uh, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. In verse, then we're going to go on into chapter two, and it came about in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of kings at our. That wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. And I had not been in, I had not been sad in his presence. So the king had never seen him sad. He had never seen Nehemiah sad. But this was grievous to him what had happened to Jerusalem. So the king said to him, Why is your face sad? Though you are not sick, this is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I, then I was much afraid, he said. And I said to the king, Let the king... Live forever. Why should my face not be sad? And he went on to explain. When the city, the place of my father's tomb, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire. 
Then the king said to me, What would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And, and you'll see here in a minute that he was, it was answered. But he had favor in all of his time in prepping, in spending time praying before the Lord. Part of that that came was the favor because God was opening up a way for Nehemiah to go and be able to establish the walls again in Jerusalem, be able to make that uh, a city um, unto the Lord. And so then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it please the king, and if your servants have has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be there? And you'll see then that his prayer was answered here in the, that latter part of verse 6 of chapter 2. So it, ple- so it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him a definite time. So the king sent him, and also he was given uh, an opportunity to have favor with the people along the way to get the, the wood, to get all different kinds of things that he would need as he went. Verse 10, let's jump down to verse 10. And when Sambalot, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about it, it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. These guys were not good guys. And, you know, whenever we start, we we hear God, we hear what God wants us to do. We have a a, uh, mandate from the Lord, whether it's you're praying for a, a, a son or you're praying for finances, whatever you're praying for, you have that goal out there that you're you're interceding for that. And along the way, you're going to have uh, favor with people. They're going to help you with your situation. Along the way, you're going to have people that are going to oppose you. You're going to have the enemy make fun of you. You're going to have things happen. And if you have a mandate from the Lord, if you know that your goal is to... Um, like like his goal was to rebuild the rebuild the wall. Whatever your goal is, whatever the word of the Lord has come to you about, let's say um, the Lord wants to bless you with finances, and you believe in God for finances, so that's your goal. So you're you're heading towards that. You're praying. You're believing God. You're sending angels, and then the enemy comes along. And he says, "You're ne- you're never going to get that. Have you ever seen finances before come to you like that? Nah, it's not going to come. So what are you going to do? You're going to listen to those words that the enemy gives you. Or are you going to stand against that and continue to believe God for finances to come in? Are you going to when you you're believing God for a, a lost family member or a friend that doesn't know Jesus as Lord? Just because they go out to the bar after you started praying, are you going to, well, that didn't work. Huh? Are you going to just give up and quit? No, you don't give up and quit. You believe God in the midst of the situation. Tell the devil, you shut your mouth. That guy is saved. I'm calling him saved and I'm going to hold my ground. He is saved and he's coming into the kingdom of God. Laborers are coming across his path. People are going to talk to him about the Lord because I'm standing here in his gap and it's going to happen. So you have to speak to the enemy. You have to speak to the devil. He hasn't got a right to steal, kill, and destroy what you're believing God for. As long as God has told you what his will is in the situation, it's yours. It's yours. When it doesn't become ours, it's because it's because we have dropped the ball. God gives us the goal. He hands it to us. And if we don't, if we, if we drop the ball and we don't carry it clear till the end, you'll see where Nehemiah, he had to pray more than one time. Well, we better get, better get going here. Anyway, you'll see where he prayed more than one time. Um, so, okay. So 
he pleased the king, he got verse 10. Uh, and when Sambalot, I read that, Ammonite official heard about it. It was displeasing to them. So then they, they were going to be a problem right then, we knew. Let's jump on down to verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the bad situation we are in? See, um, they got up, uh, Nehemiah took some people and got up in the middle of the night to went to look at the wall, to look at the gates, to investigate, to inspect everything. They went and did that. And so, so then that's where, let's pick it up in verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Now, see, he was looking at it in the natural. He was looking at it in the natural. That isn't what he was believing to do. What he was believing to do was come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. Amen? Come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem. Let's look at Romans here real quick. I have a little side note, Romans 4. And and this is about Abraham, you know, how he was um, he was older. He was too old, basically, to have kids. Uh, um, Sarah was too old. But God had told him, you're going to be a father of many nations. Amen? And verse 17 of Romans 4, 17 this will sound real similar to what we just read over here in, ver- in um, verse 17 of chapter 2. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. Verse 17 over here. Father of many nations, have I made you in the sight of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Verse 18. In hope. Against hope, he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations. In hope, in hope, against hope, against the hope, that was the natural hope. The in hope was the spiritual hope. He hoped no matter what he saw in the natural, that it was going to come to pass. That's the same thing that was Nehemiah was doing. And I told them how... It says, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. It didn't matter what he saw. It didn't matter what kind of devastation there was. It didn't matter that Sambalot and that other guy were thinking they were nuts. It didn't matter. His mandate was to build the wall, to restore that area, that back to Jerusalem. That was his mandate. And he had already got that from the Lord, that that's what he was supposed to go do. So when you know that you know that you know, I'm going to say this again, that God has told you this, you stand firm and do it. Stand firm and do it. Stand firm and do it. You're not moved by what you see. That's why you hear me say, I'm not moved by what I see. I know what God has said. I know what he has told us, and I'm not moved by that. Amen? Okay, verse 18, and I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me. So right now he's given testimony, sharing how good God was, and also about the king's words, which he had spoken to me. Then they said, and look how encouraged they got, let us arise and build. <laughs> they all they got so encouraged about the testimony, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work and 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 provide and went to work doing that. Um, I, I want you to turn to Proverbs 12, please. Proverbs 12, 25. So 
So these people, this is just another side scripture you can add to that. Proverbs 12, 25. And see, these people, they already knew there was devastation there. They didn't have to be told by Nehemiah. They could see it. They'd been living in it. And they knew it was there. But Nehemiah encouraged them. And see what it says here in Proverbs? Anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down. Isn't that true? Isn't that true when you're anxious how weighted you are? Sometimes we get so anxious we don't even know how much lower we can get, but we do. But a good word makes it glad. A good word of encouragement will make your heart glad. That's why you should surround yourself with people that are going to encourage you, not get in agreement with the devastation that's going on in your life. They, they need to be encouraging you. Okay? Okay, and so... So they, so then it goes on, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. Okay. Um, so we need to encompass ourselves with people that will encourage us. Even, even, um, David and Ziglag, there was nobody there that was going to encourage, encourage him. Do you remember that story? David and Ziglag, where they had, had, they had been attacked. They had been out and they came back and their wives and their children were all stolen or all taken. And in the men that was, um, the army that was underneath David, they all wanted to stone David. It was David's fault. Our family had been stolen and we're just going to kill you, David. You did it to us. So David didn't have anybody on his side, but he knew, he knew, he knew his God. He knew that if he encouraged himself in the Lord, he could go get that. He could take his men and go get his families and his children back. So immediately he got himself before the Lord and he encouraged himself. That word encourage, encourage there means to be strengthened, means to be strengthened. When you get before the Lord and you start, to, you think of the scripture verse, the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? So he must have been rejoicing. He must have been rejoicing. And it looked bad. It looked bad. But see, that's one of the things that we can do and things won't look so bad. We can start rejoicing and start declaring who our Lord is and not who the enemy is. We tend to want to give God, uh, the devil glory because he's done this and he's done this and I'm this and woe is me and this is going on and this is going on. But are we giving God the glory? No, we start giving him glory and the things change. Things change. When we exalt the name of Jesus, just like that song that, that Kim did this morning. Things change when we exalt the name of Jesus. Okay, so then let's go on up here to verse 19. But when Sambalot the Harnite and Tobiah the Ammonite officially, official and Geshem the Arab heard it, they mocked and despised us and said, what is this thing you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Can't you just hear the enemy saying that to you? What do you think you're doing? You're believing God for finances? What do you think you're doing? You're believing God for a baby? What do you think you're doing? You're believing God for healing? That's just silly. Well, the devil will want to mock you. He'll want to make fun of you. So you don't do it. So you don't stand firm against the schemes and tactics of the enemy. Amen? He'll, he'll want to mock you. You want to preach it, Marilyn? You, you, you've got a testimony you can say. 
Yeah, amen. What is this thing you're doing? You're rebelling against the king. So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven will give us success. Now, you tell me, who does that remind you of? David, that's right, David. Let's look at that. Can we do that? Um, that's in First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 17, I believe. First Samuel 17. I mean, I just want you, and we're doing these side notes. I could just keep taking you through Nehemiah. But I want you to see it's not just Nehemiah, but it's David and, and, and Goliath. It's David and Ziglag. It's, it's Paul and Silas. It's those people that were able to stand firm against the schemes and tactics of the enemy. Okay, that was um, chapter 17. Let's go clear to verse 24. You can read the whole thing, but 24. See now, verse 24, when all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The man being that was Goliath. When they saw the man, they were afraid. So, and you can't, none of you can't tell me you haven't looked at a situation and you were afraid. See, that Goliath kind of represents a terrible thing that's going on in your family or a terrible thing that happened to you or uh, whatever it is, poverty, whatever it is, that situation, we, we want to tend to look at it and that's what we believe is real. But what is real is what God has said in his word. By Jesus' stripes were healed. He'll meet every need that we have according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We have all of those promises. And that's, that's what we need to look at, not look at the circumstance. Amen? When all the men of Israel saw the man, they not only saw the man, but he would holler too. He was huge. Goliath was huge. All you young people probably know that, but he was big, 10 foot anyway. And, and then he had that big voice. And so when he walked... The whole ground shook. And here's David, just a youth. And David said, and, and the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him saying, What will be done? And of course his brother got involved and got all... Uh, just stop it, David. You don't know what you're talking about. You're too young. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so and then um, now let's see. Let's jump down here to verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And then let's jump over here to where David is talking. Is The Philistine is mocking him. And the and and um, verse 45 is where I am. You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. And this is David speaking back to the enemy. This is what you need to do when the enemy is wanting to buffalo you and get you to believe what he's saying is, is there. The, he, David said, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day, devil, the Lord will deliver you up into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you and I will give the dead bodies of the army of Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that Jesus is Lord. All the earth may know that God 
that there is a God in Israel. And your testimony, every time you get a victory in the midst of the situation, it brings glory not to you, but it brings glory to God. It's a testimony to him that God is real and he is for us. He's not against us. He said he'd never leave us or forsake us. Amen. Okay, so let's go back to Nehemiah. Um, so we need to we need to take that time to um, spend time confessing the word and speaking to the enemy in line with the word. See, the word of God is alive and active, and it's powerful, and and it doesn't return void. But the word of God accomplishes there into where it's been sent. So when we speak the word of God, it is accomplishing a work. It's so important to be speaking the word of God. Amen? Okay, so we're going to jump over, I think. Um, let's see. Let, let, let's just look at a few stand scriptures. And I think we did this last week. But Ephesians 6 was probably the most um, to help us stand against the schemes and tactics of the enemy. See, another weapon that we've been given is the armor of God. We not only have the armor, but we're going to go over our weapons here in a minute. But it says in verse 10, Ephesians 6, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Then it lists the different armor. Then it goes down here in verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm. And it goes on and lists a few more pieces of the arm. So he's made a way for us to be able to stand firm, stand firm. And, and then Psalms 112 is another good scripture verse. He expects us, Psalms 112, expects us to... Set our heart or fix our heart. Psalms 112, verse 7. You will not fear evil tidings. That's Psalms 112, verse 7. You will not fear evil tidings. Your heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. It's fixed. I think the King James says it's fixed. Your heart is fixed. Amen. Your heart is fixed. That means you're, you're standing firm against the schemes and tactics of the enemy. You have to recognize the enemy will always come to try to steal, sell, kill, steal, and destroy. He'll try to get you to believe something else that doesn't line up with the Word of God. If you know the Word of God, you'll know that if it doesn't line up with the Word, that isn't what you want to believe. He'll be real, real deceptive, real sneaky. And each time you make a stand against it, the next time he comes, it's a little more deceptive, a little more seductive, a little bit more um, tricky. But it's always the same thing. He doesn't know anything new. Amen? He'll use something you know, a little bit different. Okay, back to Nehemiah, please. Okay, and we're going um, to skip clear over to verse... Chapter 4, please. Chapter 4. Now it came about that that when Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. Again, running into that, what the enemy, you know, tries to, tries to do, 
uh, continue to mock us and make fun of us. Well, you don't know what you're doing, you know. And and then going on down here to verse um, verse uh, six, um, please. So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work, a mind to work. They were in one accord. They were in agreement. They were working together. Amen? Now it came about when Sambalot, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdotites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches began to be closed. They were very angry. See, the more the more you stand and make a stand against the Lord, the angrier the enemy will get to try to steal from you. He'll try to steal. He'll he'll make it harder and harder. But you, if you know what you're what you're believing God for, and you have that to stand firm with, Amen. Verse eight, and all of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause a disturbance. Verse nine, what did they do? Verse 9, but we prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. So prayer prayer worked there where they got a plan to be able to stand against the scheme that was coming. The Lord revealed it to them. They got a plan, and they were able to stand against the enemy. Amen? Verse 10, thus in Judah it was said, the strength of the burden bearers is failing, yet there is much rubbish, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Verse 11, and our enemies said they will not know or see until we come among them. They will see they're trying to infiltrate amongst them. Verse 12, and it came about when the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times they will come up against us from every place where you may turn. So here's the plan then that Nehemiah came up with. Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall They exposed places, and they stationed the people and the families with their swords and spears. Verse 14, And when I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers and sisters and daughters and sons, your wives and your houses. So do not be afraid. We're not to be fearful of what we see going on. We're not to be afraid. Amen? Okay, and then verse verse 20 down there. He stationed them. And so most of the time they were they were trying to build the wall. They had a sword in one hand, and they were working with the other hand. A sword in this hand, working with this hand. So they were ready to deal with the enemy. Amen? They were ready to deal with the enemy. So so we, we should always be on the alert. You can see the, there's different scripture verses that talk about being on the alert. One of them is Ephesians 6.18. And um, if you want a quick turn over there, we could do that. Ephesians, or just let me read it. Um, Ephesians 6.18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, beyond the alert, beyond the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Another one in 1 Corinthians 16, be on the alert, stand firm. Um, Col- Colossians talks about devote, be devoted to prayer, keep alert ha- with an attitude of thanksgiving. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, we have an adversary uh, who goes around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. So we're supposed to be on alert there. 
And then, of course, James, we talked about James 1, 2 last week, where to count it all joy when you encounter various trials and circumstances, situations, whatever, to count it all joy. So we want to rejoice whenever whenever um, there's something going on. Okay, um, okay. In, in that verse 14, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is a great and awesome God. You know what you can do is you can talk to your enemy about how good God is and how great God is. That will shut him up, especially if you're dealing with torment. I have a great God. I serve a great God. Okay, um, and then verse 20 says that he will, our God will fight for us. Do you know, he's always there. He said he never leave you or forsake you as long as you've been developing a relationship or in a relationship with him. He's going to fight for you. He's going to help you. And, and sometimes we forget that he's there, right there with us, ready to help us immediately. God will fight for you. And see, he's even given us, and we're going to talk about that now. He's even given us the weapons. He's given us weapons that are ours that we can we can do battle with. And we've, we've mentioned some of them already. Um, some of the weapons we have is joy, worship, praise. That's a weapon. Another weapon we have is the name of Jesus. We have the armor of God. Um, the words that we speak are weapons. We either fall or we are, are, we fall by our words or our words will bring us above the situation. Okay. And we have the gifts of the spirit. And you'll see later on here in Nehemiah where Nehemiah perceived that they were trying to kill him. There was attack against him. Well, the gifts of the spirit help you outmaneuver the enemy. Amen. And probably the big one here with Nehemiah was prayer. Prayer was a big key. Prayer. That prayer, personal relationship with him, your prayer language is, is, is absolute if you're going to have a victory in this life. Prayer language is an absolute. Praying in tongues is an absolute if you're going to have victory in this life. It's an absolute and I, and I will say that, and I will say that, and I will say that. If you don't have your prayer language, you're lacking greatly in your walk with the Lord. Exactly. Your prayer language is so important. You, you can pray God's will. I'll give you the scripture verses. We don't need to go to all of them. But if you're, if you can pray in your prayer language and you can get God's will. Amen. God's will. Romans 8, Romans 8, 27 talks about Praying and praying God's will. Praying in your prayer language will reveal sin in your life. I mean, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Thank God we have somebody on the inside of this, in this on the inside of us that knows when we're missing it, that knows when we're lying, that knows when we told a tale. We have somebody on the inside of the in, on the inside of us that knows. Um, maybe we misspoke somewhere or we are uh, not forgiving or we're uh, angry with somebody or we're not, we need to repent. Whatever we need to do, we have that person on the inside of us that will help us. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. If you're not using him that way, get busy. (laughs) 
Get busy. He's moving us. The Holy Spirit is there to help us go from glory to glory and faith to faith. The Holy Spirit is there to help us go from glory to glory and faith to faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. And then also, he builds you up so you can believe God. He builds you up in your most holy faith. And Jude talks about he keeps you in the love of God. And you know, the love of God, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, is so important to the gifts of the Spirit manifesting in your life. The love of God is so important. The love of God is more important than actually the gifts of the Spirit. It's so important. It's going to keep you from doing something wrong if you're in the love of God. You're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. Remember we talked about that? If you're loving your neighbor as yourself, then you're not going to walk in an area of sin. Right? Okay. And so, also, um, praying in your prayer language. Uh, I didn't give you all these scripture verses, but praying in your prayer language uh, will reveal uh, wrong, wrong motives in your prayer. You may be praying, you believe you're praying right, but if you're praying in your prayer language, he's going to tell you if that is a, you're not praying, praying a right motive. It's not a right heart. It's not a right heart, right motive, right heart. You understand what I mean by that? A right heart, right motive. So we can be praying a prayer we think is just right, perfect, but if our heart isn't right, it's going to be the Holy Spirit that will convict us of it, of the wrong motive, of a wrong motive. Amen? Amen? God's good, isn't he? Okay, so... So there's some scripture verses with that if, you, if you'd like that. But just to go on and finish here, let's go on over to verse, to chapter, chapter six. Chapter five was there was stuff going on within the monks them. That was, uh, and um, Nehemiah had to deal with that and get things right. And so chapter six, again, was the enemy's plot. This is where they were trying to kill or do Nehemiah in. They were trying, each time they tried something a little bit worse, a little bit more, a little bit worse, a little bit more. And so this was the final straw. In verse 12 of chapter 6, Nehemiah said, Then I perceived that surely God had not sent him, but he uttered his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sembalat had hired him. He was hired for this reason, that I might become frightened and act accordingly and sin so that they might have an evil report in order that they could reproach me. See, the enemy will do all kinds of things to get you to, to get you to believe, um, or be frightened or be afraid or make a mistake in, in sin. Verse 15, so the wall was completed on the 25th of the month in 52 days, and it came about when all our enemies heard of it. And all the nations surrounded us saw it. They lost their confidence, for they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Amen. It had been accomplished with the help of our God. And all throughout that, I don't know if I hit every time that, that Nehemiah prayed, but every time he ran into a situation, whether it was with amongst themselves or with Sambalot or with those that were mocking him, every time he ran into that situation, he prayed, he said, Lord, show me, show me, what should I do in this situation? Lord, what, what do you want for me here? 
How can I correct this? Or, or what are you saying about this situation? He prayed. He sought the Lord. Every time, not just not just once in a while, but every time he sought the Lord, what the Lord wanted to, to was telling him what to do in each situation. And I guess that that would be the main thing that I would have to take away from or want you to take away from the importance of prayer and um, and how this whole thing with Nehemiah. And I would encourage you maybe this afternoon to go through and 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 read through Nehemiah and see how it it comes right in line with the things that a lot of times we're believing God for and the enemy wants to try to steal it from us and how we need to stand firm against the schemes and tactics of the enemy. Because, see, he has no power. The only power he has is what we give him by what we say, how we act, what we do, where we go. That's the only power he has. Amen? Amen. That is the only power he has. And a lot of the church... That I mean, there's a lot of the church doesn't even know we have. We deal with the devil. <laughs> and there's, then there's a lot of the church that doesn't know how to deal with the devil. And they may know about him. Then there's a, a lot of the church that, that, well, so what? We're going home. We're going home with the Lord here real soon. I had a couple of young girls. Some of you may know who this was. A couple of young girls called me and they had watched a video. And this guy said, Jesus is coming next week. And I said, no, no, he's not, <laughs> you know, and helped them. But they were all bothered about that. You know, nobody knows the day or the hour, but what it does say in the word, we're supposed to occupy till he comes. What does the word occupy mean? Do what you know to do. You're supposed to be doing for the Lord. Amen. Do what you know you're supposed to be doing and do it for the Lord. I didn't say that the same way the second time. But that's occupying. Occupying is not sitting and twiddling your thumbs waiting for the next great breakthrough. It's doing something for the Lord. Doing something for the Lord so that when you get to, when you do go, he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? He can say that to you because you did exactly what he told you to do. And you won the victories. You won every one of your victories because you you were told how to do it. You were told you have weapons. You have weapons that the, the devil could only hope he had. See, he's already been stripped of his power. He's been stripped of everything. And like I said, the only thing that he has is what we give him by our words, by our actions. He watches what you do. He watches and so so we just need to know that we're here to do a job for him and and we have we have everything that we need to accomplish the job and he's been given everything he's been he's given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness we have the greater one on the inside of us we have the greater one that's uh, is is here protecting and taking care of us we have the Godhead in its fullness resident within us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I mean, there is, knowing that, there should be nothing we can do. I mean, there should be nothing we can't do. <laughs> I got it, I got it. Right? Knowing when we know who's in the inside of us, we should be able to do everything that God has called us to do. Amen?
<laughs> All right. Well, God is good, isn't he? And um, I hope that this is an encouraging word to you. It was an encouraging word to me, but it's also, I'm sure, encouraging to Nehemiah. He had to walk through it. But like I said, there was more. There's way more uh, opportunities that you can see in the word that people, like I told you, um, and out of each one of these situations, out of the victory, always was there, there was a blessing, you know, especially with Paul and Silas and they, and they were, um, beaten and thrown in prison. There was Paul and Paul and Silas. And then when they, uh, at the, at the outcome of that was that whole jailer's family was all saved. See, there was always a victory more than what they, they pictured on the other end. And so God is so good. We just want to thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, that we have an opportunity to sit at your feet and to be encouraged and be blessed. We thank you, Father, that, that, that we have all these weapons available to us. Remind us, Father, to use the name of Jesus, which is above every name, to exalt Jesus as Lord, to use our armor, to stand against the the wiles of the devil, the schemes and tactics of the enemy, to stand firm in our faith. Thank you, Father, that you you have blessed us coming in, blessed us going out with every provision that we could ever think. Uh, of having so we just want to praise you and thank you father for meeting our needs in jesus name and everybody said amen amen if you have any prayer needs please let me know if you want to receive the baptism of the holy spirit that is such a good thing i cannot recommend it any more than that it's a good thing to have it's a good thing to use the minute you get discouraged get in your prayer language i'm serious the minute you get you get you start feeling that hope being stolen, get in your prayer language. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Amen. 